Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today we have with us Ryan Drews. He is a self-published poetry self-help book author who turned his pain into purpose by helping guide people through heartbreak. After a few bad relationships, getting some therapy, and doing some self-work, he sold his landscaping business and hit the road and is now living out of his truck full-time, continuing to write while being on the road, following the path of least resistance. And he hopes with his books that he can speak to people who are also experiencing heartbreak and sharing his journey on his social media, where he created a safe place for people to come and speak about heartbreak. We are so excited to talk to Ryan and find out where he's at and where he's going and about his beautiful books that he has written. So where are you at right now, Ryan? I am currently in Montana right now. Sold my landscaping business and stuff last Mm -hmm. year and I hit the road in September. So I kind of built a little camper in the back of my truck and I've been on the road since last September. So I've been in Montana for the summer and I just kind of... I've had what no part? pull to go anywhere else. Um, I started in Missoula, outside of Missoula, but the job I was working at didn't work out up there. So now I'm down in Big Sky. Okay. You talked about taking the path of least resistance. And I loved when you, you use the word resistance. Shannon and I talk a lot about what that looks like for us. What did you mean by that? And also, if you could just kind of, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about the pain that unfortunately has put you on this path of purpose. Well, this really started back in 2012. I was in the middle to later stages of a 10-year relationship. So I guess I was like 32 at the time. But I was traveling through the Caribbean islands and I just got hit with this aha moment. You know, I'm in the middle of the ocean. I'm watching mountains go by. The sun's out. And I said, wow, there's so much more to life than what we're led to believe. So came back from that trip. And then I started to really evaluate sort of my drinking habits, my eating habits. I kind of went into this healthy kind of lifestyle, living lifestyle. So fast forward a couple of years and I started changing. And my ex, well, my girlfriend at the time, she's like, you're changing. She's like, and she didn't say she didn't like it, but she liked sort of the old me, the drinker, the person who didn't give a shit, the person who eat whatever, kind of all this stuff. So fast forward to 2016, we're about a week away from going away together and she broke it off. Weren't engaged, weren't married, hiccups on both ends to why that never happened, but that's a whole other story. But anyway, she ended it. Um, I wasn't too in shock about it. I knew things were kind of coming to a close, but it, it still, you know, it still hurt. 10 years together, I try to explain to some people, whether you're married or not, especially someone like me, you put your heart and soul into a relationship for 10 years. That's a big ass chunk of your life, like a big ass chunk of your life. Yeah. <laughs> so, so she leaves and pretty much this stilts got kind of knocked out from under me. Like I had just started kind of building my landscaping business into something good. And it was like the universe just was like, no, like you, you're, you're sort of on this new path now. So continue on. So for about the next couple of months after that, I was kind of struggling a little bit. I was kind of reverting back to the old ways, old habits, drinking more, doing this, doing that. Cause I thought to myself, well, these people don't like new me. So I might as well just go back to old me. And there was a real kind of tug of war there. Eventually I went into therapy, which kind of just opened up my entire world. I wound up going back into a previous relationship where I was cheated on in my, in my younger twenties and just started kind of connecting the dots together. Started writing, writing was a way out of my head. I could always write better than I could verbally speak. So I started writing poetry. I started writing these pieces. I started writing these really dark pieces that people were actually like worried about me for a little bit. I was fine. I had never had suicidal thoughts or anything. But anyway, the writing was real healing for me. And then things just kind of slowly, it was almost like I'd always take two steps back and then one step forward, two steps back and one step forward. So it just, I had to keep moving forward with like a lot of my life starting over, getting rid of my business, moving out of the house, selling the house and like going out to what I'm doing now. And then I met, you know, a lovely girl. So we started sort of just dating. I don't know if we were dating, but I thought I had met my person, my it, like everything I wrote about this person was like, it just matched up. I'm like, oh shit. And then some of my old just wounding came up 
it just triggered this whole avalanche. Like this person turned out to be not who I thought she was going to be. It turned out to be a very hard lesson, a very good lesson. Um, I had heard about the term um, narcissist before, but never really put two and two together. I'm not sure if she was or not, but there was just a a lot of stuff that went on in it that looking back now, it was just like crazy, crazy stuff. So eventually I wound up ending that. I walked away from it. It's the first relationship I walked away from. I have a habit of holding on for things for too long. I know why and where that stems from. But as soon as that ended, hit the road and everything just kind of snowballed to where I'm at now. So here I am. That's pretty much my story. <laughs> it sounds like you're a seeker <laughs> and a wanderer now. Do you feel like you've always been seeking this happiness outside of you, this love outside of you? Oh, for sure. I'm looking back now. At the time, no. At the time, you just think you're you're yeah. you're doing right. you're in it. You're doing what you're doing. But looking back, yeah, I mean, but I mean, I never drank alcohol until I was 20, 21. Yeah, I guess 21. And I can see now why I turned into sort of this binge drinker and because it connected me with people and I made friends. Like I don't I don't have any regrets on the people I met. I don't have any regrets on the things that I did. But the drinking sort of let me feel something like a connection because in grammar school I was pretty normal in grammar school I had friends I did my thing but when I got to high school it was like a switch I just shut down like I didn't really talk to anyone I felt like an outcast I didn't feel like I belonged so for four years of high school it was pretty tough I mean I was never bullied but like I didn't go to prom I didn't go to sporting events I didn't go to dances and I have no one to blame but myself for that but I just felt like an outcast. So once I got into college and started meeting people, that's when I just started connecting. And like I said, the drinking just sort of added to it. And I was like, oh, I found my, you know, my group of people. And then that just lasted how many years? So then it almost sounds like you're trying to fill this hole that you felt within yourself with something, whether it was going to be a relationship or alcohol, some sort of energy you felt like you needed to fill and you were seeking it outside of yourself. Yes, yes, yes. I can remember going to a meeting in Alcoholics Anonymous. I, you know, I've got years of sobriety and I remember them telling me that I was lucky because I have such a outgoing personality and easily connect with people and that there are people that have to use the alcohol just to kind of come out of their shell. And I will say there's a lot of truth in that. So I understand what you're saying. I do feel like that kind of made it easier for me to be able to live without the alcohol because I'm naturally able just to connect and have fun and be outgoing. So I understand what you were saying. Shanna and I, a lot of times throughout our journey, have found that there are synchronicities and signs from the universe they kind of have led us on this path of non-resistance. So we know that when we get these signs or these synchronicities, not to resist the path, because if we do, usually you're going to find that you're going to kind of be either slapped in the face by the universe or not supported. And we definitely figured that out once we started following those signs did you have any signs or synchronicities besides these crumbling relationships that led you to where you today oh for sure I mean intuitively I mean I was getting hits when I was around 32 to stop drinking and I just didn't listen I weaned myself off of drinking I'm lucky that I didn't have to go into AA and stuff like that so it took me a really long time to kind of wean off of that and then numbers, you know, I see a lot of numbers, triple twos, triple fives. I kind of try and follow those numbers. If I see stuff like that, then I kind of follow that. And then sometimes you're like, and you guys know too, probably like sometimes you see this stuff and it, you think it doesn't work out and you're, but it does work out, but it doesn't work out. And you're like, screw this. I'm done with all this. Like signs be gone. Like get away from me, leave me alone. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, I try to follow the numbers and then just really in- intuitively just kind of working on that. And that takes, I'm still working on that. Like that just takes a lot of time to, to know when something feels right and something feels wrong and when something feels wrong, but it, but it's really right. So it's a lot of just fine tuning. <laughs> yeah. It's really a lot of like think yourself too. And sometimes when we've been through so many relationships that we thought were going to be the one we kind of lack that self-trust. Did you have that as well? 
Self-trust. Yeah. You know, even now I look going forward, I've been single for like two years now, especially after the, the, my last partner. Um, I go into things a little more cautious and I don't date. I don't really date a lot. I don't date often, but I try not to compare my past to my present, but it's hard not to sometimes. It's hard not to be like, why is this going to be any different? And then you see it's the same and you're like, well, do I pull the ripcord or is this just like a lesson to get over that hump? Does that sort of make sense? Like, I think there are definitely signs when you need to kind of pull the ripcord on a relationship or, or meeting a new person. There'd be enough signs yeah. there for you to pull back. But it's like, when do you pull back? I forget if it was a therapist or someone was on our podcast talking about this and they were like, oh, you know, it was Help Me Be Me. It was Sarah Maybe, who I love. I love her. I love that podcast. She said people leave after like, I think it was like after 10 times of actually trying to leave. <laughs> like that was like an average. That sounds like you were in a pretty verbally abusive relationship, possibly gaslighting if, you know, if there was some sort of narcissistic personality going on. You know, how did she eventually leave? I just mustered up enough strength between going to therapy and some friends. Um, it, it was tough. I was teetering and I even told my therapist I was at a point and this was only, this relationship was only I think eight months, nine months. So I can't okay. imagine someone that's been in it for years. I mean, I was starting to question my therapist who I'd been going to for years. Like this person was actually like just mind effing me so much. So it was a real teeter, but something deep down, I knew like, this is wrong. This is, this is not right. And I think had I not done all the work previously, I would have yeah. still been in it. I would have just been like, yeah, this is just part of a relationship. You fight, you make up, you get over it, you know, like, and stuff like that. Sometimes people are not present enough mm -hmm. to actually even bring attention to mm -hmm. what is happening. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it just becomes like this normal dysfunction normal. that you live in like you're as sick as the person, you know, mm -hmm. you both are sick. And so then once you become present to what's happening and you can kind of pause and step back, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, what am I putting up with? Yeah. And you know, that doesn't absolve me from my stuff. You know, my, my hiccups still pop up from time to time. So I don't want to come across like I'm this perfect person who has all my shit figured out. Cause I don't, and my wounds still shelf here and there, but you're able to kind of take a step back and see the person for who they are and you realize like they're treating you how they were treated as a child and I don't think a lot of people put two and two together they're just like that bitch that asshole but when you take yeah, it doesn't make it right it doesn't them. make yeah it doesn't make it right to be treated that way but when you take right. a step back and you see this person for who they are it gives you just a different perspective it does and I always feel like when you realize that you also see that you've allowed that You've allowed yourself to be like this place where they could put all of that. Yeah. And so it's all, it is on you, right? Like they have their pain, but it's on you, but you've allowed them to take all that and put it on you. Like as their safe haven in some way, or it feels good. I mean, nobody wants to sit in their own shit. We talk about this all the time and you know, it feels so much better to have somebody to sit along with you and yeah. if you're allowing it, well, why wouldn't they? Yeah. You know, I mean, if someone's taking all my shit, I'm going to keep giving it to them if they keep, keep taking it. it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. And you said about like taking responsibility and ownership and owning it. And I can tell you from experience, you know, when I was cheated on for years after that, I always, I just put the blame on her. I just, just like putting the hammer down, like, why'd she do that? She's a bitch. I can't believe she did that. And then eventually when it, came back around and I was like, you know what? We were both young. There were signs there. Like I could have ended it at any time, but I, I kept doing what I was doing. So once I took my share of the responsibility from it, it just freed me. I mean, it, it made things feel so much better. And you just, as bad as things can be, and I'm, I, my heart goes out to people who have been abused and I'm not a psychiatrist, a therapist, but when you take responsibility for certain things, it, it just frees you up. Um, it surely does and you know I'll be honest with you I didn't have any kind of infidelity but we definitely had a lot of you know I was like the person that you put all of your crap on not just for him but everybody in the house kind of when I was able to kind of become present with his pain 
I realized it was just that it was his and it wasn't mine. And so I decided to shift for myself and to make a long story short, you know, whenever, when you change the world around you changes, they'll either, you know, support you or fall off, I believe. Mm -hmm. But yeah, my life has totally changed, even though he still has that pain. Right. Mm -hmm. But we're still together because I no longer take it. And so he had to find somewhere else to put that pain. Mm -hmm. And it worked. Mm -hmm. Of course, I was in a lot of therapy as well. But really, you know, a therapist can only lead you so far, you know, because you really have to truly do it. You have to take action. You actually have to go through the motions of doing everything, you know, suggested. Yeah, my therapist, she's funny and she would never give me answers. And I used to get so frustrated. I'm like, just give me the answer. But I know why she was doing it. It was on me to to figure it all out. But I mean, it was just so helpful that that whole, and I still check in with her from time to time, but. It's just, I would recommend, and I used to be that guy too. And I'm sure there's plenty of guys out there. I'm like, I don't need therapy. I got my shit figured out. I don't need someone telling me what to do and how to live. But man, it it was the best investment I ever made. It really was. You know, uh, Shanna, I would say that therapy and then also during her, um, her journey, she was very attracted to, and who isn't, but to Eckhart Tolle. And I think Mm. when she came across the understanding of the pain body and then shared that with me, he just explains it in such a brilliant way. You Mm. want to share kind of your first experience with, where did you see him talking? Was it his book or was it on Oprah or where did you see it? I read that book years before I was awakened in any way, right? And I'm saying when I wasn't awakened in any way, I was like, you know, living a life of ego in in this little box of conditions and I read that book and I think I probably was like I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about you know or who knows how I even received it it's so insignificant (laughs) it's a different language and then when I read it again I was like holy shit this is like the most it seriously was the most profound thing I think I had ever read in my life. And I think I've read it several times with other people even since, because I, I, it's one of my probably most recommended books, the new earth power up now, but he explains that, you know, we all, of course, we all have pain and trauma in our lives. We all do, but we need to learn how to recognize when that starts to like projectile out of us. Of course, it's best to know when you're doing it, of course, but to also around you, all the people around you, when that starts to come out, you need to immediately pause and say, wait a minute, take a deep breath, center yourself and kind of say, this is not them anymore. This is not this person this present person, this is pain that's coming out that has nothing to do with me. And he's look, or he or she is looking for a place to release this pain. And if I keep saying yes to it, or I keep interacting with the pain, then I'm feeding the pain. And it's going to continue to come back like a stray dog. So when you decide to starve the pain by detaching and not interacting with that pain, refusing to, then it starves or it goes look elsewhere for food. And what was, I started to do that. And at first it was like, it was hard because it was like, almost like the pain was chasing me, like starving desperately, please fight with me. You know what I mean? I have to get out this pain. And I just refused, refused. But the, I think the biggest awareness was when I did it to him. When I literally, my pain came out. I did, it was like it, I vomited across the room and, and the whole house filled up with it. And I had no conscious decisions or thoughts. I mean, it literally came from this place inside of me. It rose up and just, there was no control. But as soon as I had been working on this, so as soon as it came out and he walked away and I was like, oh my God, what did I do? I was like, that was mine. That was my pain. I had nothing to do with him. This was in me. And, and I was able to own up to it and be more present 
but it's pretty powerful shit. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, disassociating the the present from the past is is interesting for sure. I always look at it as, as sort of like an electrical current. Like when you get triggered, something fires, and you need to catch that current and and reroute it right away. And if you don't, you know, there's times even with my parents still like. I'll, I'll act a certain way and then I'll hang up with them or, or whatever. And I just had a, an incident with my, my father a week ago, you know, he had called me just to check in with me. And I just, instead of, I'm not a morning person. So instead of not answering, I answered and I was just very short with him. And after I hung up five minutes later, I, I texted him. I said, listen, I'm sorry. Like that was very rude. I didn't mean anything by it. Like I'll call you later to cat to catch up. So those are those moments when you just own your shit and you say it, it had nothing to do with you. Like it's just it's just it was just old me. <laughs> totally. And you know what I did during that time? I remember that same incident. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was like, that was my pain body. And he was like, what the fuck is a pain body? And I was like, never mind. I was like, just know I'm sorry. That was not yours. It's fine. And that's when I really started to see almost like the separation that it's not yours. This is mine. This is yours. This is mine. Oh my God, we're separate. We are, we are all on our own journey. We all have our own shit, even our parents, right? Even our kids. And, you know, it's, it's each of our responsibility. Our own, our energy is our responsibility. Yeah, and, and I can probably really blow people's minds now. <clears throat> you probably guys will, will relate to this, but when you look at your partners as your parents, if you're acting out towards your partners, there's probably something in it. You're actually acting out towards your parents. So in, in my, as being a male, especially in my last relationship, the way I was acting, it was towards my mother. And I feel a lot of, a lot of my stuff with my mom, kind of being on this journey. But if you look at your partner, so if you're female, so if you look at the male as your father, it's sometimes there's that in there. You're not really yelling at your, your, your current partner. You're yelling at your father. If you can sort of, or me, my mother, if you can, if you can connect the dots, does that make sense? I totally just connected that thought because the situation was sometimes he makes me feel like I, and he can't make me. There you go. Right there. That's yeah. what I just said. But in that moment, when I spewed all over everybody, I literally felt mad because in that moment, I felt like I wasn't doing enough or good enough. And that does connect the dot back to my dad, who had always thought that I should have been more, should have done more and all this mm -hmm. stuff. Did he love me less? Absolutely not. In fact, it was his conditions, not mm -hmm. mine. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was just fine not doing as much as he wanted me to do. So that was his, not mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's not yeah, something I, I invented. I, that's not something I invented. You just, from all the learning you do, eventually you pick up on it. So it just, it takes a lot of time to, to, to learn that. <laughs> you know, I was journaling the other day about the pain body and what's theirs is theirs and what's ours is ours. And I realized it's actually an oxymoron to what I also preach, which <laughs> is when one's hurting, we're all hurting. And that oneness. So really it's not their pain because when one person is hurting, it is our pain it, it, because that's why God put us on earth and that is to be there for each other. But the difference I realized is that it's that pause that Shannon talked about. It's being able to pause, detach from it. And then if we're talking about a partner, I believe that we can come back with, when things have calmed down and come from a place of compassion and love and, and try to um, be there for them and help them. Because I mean, ultimately that's why we're all on earth together. I mean, if we looked at what was going on in Afghanistan and said, oh, that's theirs, not mine, then no one would ever be doing anything for the world or the universe or for each other. So for me, it's pausing and doing what Eckhart Tolle says, realizing it is theirs, not taking responsibility for it, being able to protect your energy, but then being able to also come back maybe when things aren't so heated or when they're not angry in their pain and being able to help them process it and just listen and be there for them out of love. Absolutely. Like wait for the um, pain body to kind of simmer down and wait for their soul. There to you back. go. 
you know, and, and that's who you react. That's who you talk to. That's who you, you know, offer compassion to. That's who you, you know, connect with. And then that's real connection. Then they're hearing you. When you're talking to a pain body and fighting with them, it's much like just talking to someone who is drunk and is not going to really process or remember it which they might be drunk too in my case. But <laughs> you want to know what? So right. Thank you for saying that because that just made me realize you're right. When you do come back, it's no longer their pain body. So wait for their pain body to to disappear, to dissipate and then you can speak to their soul. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that space is what you need, you know, to do that also to get that compassion so you're not fired up. And I think that just for yourself to do the same thing, right? When you feel that shit arising and coming up and, you know, that fire in your throat right before you throw up, <laughs> you can take that space too and realize that you're in pain body and connecting back with your soul. Just made a, a story last night on my Instagram about how the current times today, people are just out for blood. They're just attacking. I'm right. You're wrong. You have no say in this discussion. And it's just like, it's blowing my mind and you're seeing things coming out now. And I think we can all say we're hypocrites in, in a little bit of a way, but there's things coming out now and you're sitting back and you're just like, your head just explodes is what's going on. And listen, I, I have my problems. Sometimes I, I, I do my absolute best to listen to people. Sometimes it's in one year at the other. I'm sometimes in, I'm in La La Land, but people just are not listening. People are so steadfast on their beliefs right now. And it's just, it's causing this divide. And that divide is getting larger and larger. And, and I, exactly. I That's hope it I gets better. But... And like the separation is getting further and further and further. And it's like, I, it just, this is like the biggest thing for me. I am so against anything that separates. That's what makes me mad. I don't even care what the topic is. It's like, why can't we not respect each other and just kind of be kind and respectful? Because we're humans, we're all human, you know, we're all going through shit. Like belief systems are personal. Like mm. I would never tell somebody what to believe or who mm. to vote for mm. or who's better, you know? I mean, it just separates us. Yeah, you don't have to agree with the person, but just hear them out. Don't attack them. <laughs> don't be like, you're wrong. You're the reason this is happening. How do we it's know just... what's going on in someone else's <laughs> yeah. mind? Yeah. You know, yeah. heartbreaking because it's really worrisome. I try to stay away from it because I can get very overwhelmed with it. I'm the same. And yeah. I've been so glad to be away from it. But then when people will remind me of it and I'll look at it, it just makes me so sad because I see like just the separation getting further and further and further. Like, you know, I'll give the ultimate example. My energy has been very consumed with the Afghan war because I lost my brother in Iraq. And sometimes mm -hmm. I wonder if he died out of pain. And, and there, I've just had all these thoughts going through my head. It's triggered a lot of memories, like when his casket came off the plane draped in the flag and watching those young soldiers having to fold it. And it's just triggered so much. So I spewed a little bit of my opinion. Um, pain. Your my pain. pain. <laughs> uh, I spewed my pain onto social media about how I felt like Biden's comment to the families that he understood their pain because his son died of cancer. I felt like that was just a really stupid comment because his son didn't die in war. So I felt like it was unfair. And that was me just being in my pain. And then I also got angry when I saw him checking his watch during the ceremony and when their caskets were coming off the plane. And then I realized, you know what, Mandy, you're not there. You don't know why he was looking at his watch. Mm. You don't know if it's just like a habit or a tick. Like I just mm. went into immediate assumption and assumed that he was just being an arrogant dick. Mm. And mm. You no, know, I don't know. And that's just it. We're all forming these opinions on things and we're not there and we don't know the truth. And, and oh. even, even our own experiences are our truth. But if you think about it, if we were all sitting around and saw something go down at the exact same time, 
And I'll never forget this. A group of friends of Shannon and I's, unfortunately, we lost a friend many years ago. His name was Jeff Truax. He was very dear to us. There were so many people that witnessed the shooting that happened. They were all standing there. Now, one maybe was two inches over, maybe one was 10 feet over, but in their eyes, they all saw the exact same incident, but they all perceived it differently. Mm. Why? Because we have different brains. We have different eyeballs. We have different upbringings. Yeah. Yeah. We have different senses. So for us to go on right now, um, social media and expect everyone to have the same opinion as us or to think the same way as us is absolutely absurd when you think about the human body and our soul. And to make it even deeper, a lot of our pain body that we carry might not even be from this lifetime. It could be from a lifetime before, and it could be the epigenetics and our blood from our ancestors. It's very complicated. And we have on these blinders where we only are seeing what's in front of us instead of looking at the big picture. Mm. We feel your emotions get so, you know, they're so powerful, especially around grief when we're still carrying that, that that pain just spews out. It's just separation. I think it's a time for everyone to sit back and reflect on their pain body. That seems to be kind of the theme right now, this pain body. And Ryan, you said something to me about your story earlier that I feel like I would like to go back to because I feel like your story could really help the youth. I mean, there are so many kids that are sitting in high schools that feel awkward, who, you know, pull themselves in because they don't know how to express themselves or who feel out of place and that are looking for love outside of them and validation. As a child, were you taught self-love? Were you taught to look for happiness outside of you? Because I know our world conditions us that way. But I'm curious, like, what were those feelings? Like, let's talk about the feelings associated with that awkwardness. Like, how did you feel? I don't think it really hit me till I was out of high school, to be honest with you. I think at that point, I was just going through the motions. It just was life. You know, I was called shy. I was called... uh, I don't think I was called introverted then. I don't think I knew the term introverted until I was older. But, you know, these terms that are thrown at you, he's shy, he's embarrassing, he's quiet, he's this and he's that. And you're like, okay, these people are telling me I'm this way, so I must, I must be this way. So it wasn't until I was really older. And then I started looking back on it and saying like, wow, I was like really hurting in high school, but I didn't realize it at the time. Sort of looking through... Like I said, I didn't start writing till I was out of this 10-year relationship. So now kind of looking through the, the journals and stuff, the, kind of what I was writing and kind of connecting back to that time in high school, then you, you kind of start making sense of it. So You yeah, were a poet was, and you didn't know it? I always knew I could write better than I could speak, but it wasn't until, again, I was 30, 32, 34 that I started writing, and I'm like, wow, I'm actually a good writer, so that's kind of what I'm focusing on now, but yeah, again, going back to your question, it wasn't until I was out of high school that I make sense of it. When I was in it, it just was just normal life, you know? Well, I'm so glad that poetry is there for you, and that writing is there for you. I mean, we've had on, um, you know, psychologists and doctors and they all talk talked about how and I never knew this just how much writing does for your brain um mm. there's science behind what writing does and how it helps with the good chemicals to be released so mm. when people were telling me to journal I listened and I journaled but I didn't understand just how deep and how amazing it was for you know the serotonin the dopamine so I love that poetry has become a passion of yours. Can you talk about that? Where does your poetry come from? Is this a book about all the pain? Is it about your adventure now? What does it look like? book that I have out now is based on my heartbreaks of the past. So it goes through all, really my last two, well, I've, had, I've been in three relationships. So my two relationships so the book is, uh, it's kind of a self-help journal. So it's got my poetry in it. It's got th- um, word prompts in it. It sort of has my thoughts in it and, it and it has blank pages in it for the person to kind of reflect on what I wrote. So oh, these I poetry, the, the poetry pieces I wrote, again, a lot of it 
comes up 10 years after my first relationship ended. Some of it is a couple of months after my second relationship ended. I think there are a few pieces in there just on a random night, you know, feeling sad and just kind of writing. So there's a lot of pieces in there. I think a lot of people will relate to. That being said, you know, I know how hard it is kind of dealing with those emotions in our society, especially as a male, you know, we're told just to kind of get over it, to move on, like they aren't worth it. You know, my, my favorite line to get over someone, you get under someone. That's like, <laughs> that one I'll never get, but although I've been there, maybe we've all been there, but the book is really a, let's call it a healthier way than to turn to drugs and to turn to alcohol then the turn to randomly sleeping with people. And again, no judgment. You know, I've, I've been there, done that. It's just a healthier option for people if they want to dive in. And it takes a lot to, to call yourself out on shit. People don't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I thought I had all my shit together, but it's very freeing when you start looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, oh, I'm not perfect. <laughs> and you're also a photographer. I am a photographer. Uh, do that as a hobby. I actually have a book out. I put out a couple of years ago. Uh, it's a very short book. It has my photography and my poetry in it together. It's, uh, it's more and more of a thoughtful book. I joke with people. Um, I say, maybe this is a little bit of self-deprecation on, on my, my part, but I'm like, my stuff's going to scare you. My stuff's going to make you think. My stuff, you're probably going to roll your eyes at a lot of the stuff I write, but that's who I am. And if my stuff makes you uncomfortable, you have to ask yourself, why is it making you uncomfortable? Why can't you read this stuff? There's something inside of you that's yep. blocking you from seeing this stuff. Right. I know. Isn't it funny how when an emotion comes up, we're always so quick to blame the outside world for causing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So a lot of the music I listened to, like I had someone ask me once, like is when I was going through sort of this sad, depressing, you know, episode of my life, people are like, is, is it the music you're listening? Because I listen to a lot of metal. I listen to a lot of hard rock. And I said, you know what? The music is actually helping me. Like connecting to these lyrics is just like, is, is amazing stuff. And, I, you know, people are always, maybe in certain situations, music is to blame, but I don't, I don't know. There's music out there that, that kids listen to because they're relating to it. It's not causing them to go on these mass shootings or, or, or whatever. Like music is, is amazing it's just amazing stuff especially when you're in a certain mood and you don't have anyone to talk to or you don't have anyone to reach out to you know you turn these tunes on and you're hearing these lyrics and you're like oh these people i'm connecting with these people it also is matching their vibration i think people are so quick to judge i was i remember thinking marilyn manson was a freak and now <laughs> I, re I recently watched a documentary on him where he spoke about his spiritual side and oh my god that man is so smart is such a beautiful soul yeah. Yeah, but I, I was just quick to judge back when I was there. I, you know, I loved heavy metal too. Oh, I love music, y'all. Like Mandy said, that vibration. And then sometimes the words can almost be kind of like what a podcast can do for someone where you're like listening to it and you're like, oh, somebody else actually put into words of what I'm experiencing. And so it makes you feel like you're not alone. Yeah, you know, it's funny, backtrack way back to the beginning. I think Mandy had mentioned about like you guys follow signs and stuff like that. And it just triggered a, a memory. So I went to my first concert when I was 21 and I started going to these metal and rock shows. And now where I'm at now with my writing and poetry, like I can connect and be like, now I know why I felt such a resonance to these singers. Now I know why I felt these lyrics like hit me in my heart. Here I am now writing. I'm not singing. It's different, but similar in many ways. So it's almost that connection was there. Like the universe was like, here, here's this crowd of people, this, this amazing scene you're in. Like, this is part of you, kid. Like, you have to figure this out, though. And now I can connect the dots and say, wow, now I'm writing. I am, I'm not a musician, but I am in this sort of way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do you have your book in front of you? I have one of them. Do us a favor. Flip your book open. Um, we're going to make this random. <laughs> right. Flip it open and just whatever page you land on is what we're supposed to hear today. All right. All righty. All right, cool. So what I'll do is I'll read. So the book is bro broken down into sections, like I said. So what it does is it has like a poetry piece and then it has sort of like a thoughtful piece and then it has sort of a word prompt that the reader can work off of. So the first part, poetry piece. I know how it feels like your wings have been clipped. Betrayed, duped and lied to like your love has been stripped. 
You may have clipped these wings with the shears that you held, but they're growing back thicker and stronger. I was grounded for some time, tending to my wounds, but I'm gaining my freedom back, my freedom to fly. When my first relationship ended, I made it all about that specific person. How could they? Why would they? I continuously pointed the finger, blaming her for my hurt. Truth be told, I had only hurt myself. The signs were there all along, but I chose to ignore them. It takes two conscious and loving individuals to make a relationship work. And while you may want to blame the other person for the feelings you feel, take this opportunity to write about your part of the breakup. How did you contribute? Were there subtle signs that you chose to ignore? It's extremely hard to call yourself out. So I recommend sitting in a quiet spot, light a candle, closing your eyes and let the silence settle in. Listen to your heartbeat, listen to your breath and let the answers slowly filter in. And then there's a few blank pages that the reader, if they choose, you know, can, can follow up with that. That's wonderful. I love that so very much. I love the poem. I love how you have the prompt. I love stuff like that. I think that, you know, that kind of is like an ancient way, kind of like Zen poems or Zen quotes in some way, where we, we sit with these words and we find, you know, ourselves within them. I love that. So it's, what is your book called? Uh, it's called From Heartbreak to Heart Awake. If you go on my Instagram, that'll beat it off into like where you can buy it and stuff. But yeah, you know, I put a lot of heart and soul into it. It's been out for a couple of months. Um, I've, I get these hits where I push it and then I kind of don't get a lot of feedback and I kind of retreat a little bit. Again, those are kind of my own self-limiting beliefs. And then something like this will kind of spur me to kind of start pushing it again. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. And I know things take time too. Part of my healing has been not to rush things anymore. In fact, I, I joke about this a lot. On my, on my kindergarten report card, it says Ryan likes to rush things a lot. Even today. <laughs> yeah. Even, even today, I still do. So that's practice, kind of taking a step back and, and letting things kind of just unfold naturally. But there is something with this book that intuitively... I think at some point it's going to catch on. I, I don't know when, but I do. So that's why I just kind of have to kind of keep with it and, and keep doing stuff like this. Keep at it. It sounds like a book that anyone could pick up. I mean, we've all been through a breakup at some point, right? But it's it's not a book that's just for someone who came out of a relationship. There's a lot in it that can benefit you and a lot of prompts to get you to journal out your pain and your feelings and, and looking at your part in things, correct? Yeah, you're right. In fact, and it's funny you mentioned that because I've been thinking about pushing it a little differently now because I've been really pushing it towards people out just out of heartbreak, but really that's not the case. There's stuff in there. If someone wants to kind of start on a healing journey, they could dive into it. And if they want to connect back to maybe a previous relationship, they could really take it and line it up with any one of their relationships if they're kind of looking to self-inquire. We've all had heartbreak, right? I mean, because if you haven't, that means you haven't loved. I mean, that is just a part of love. I mean, and I mean, heartbreak, not as, as always in being deceived. I mean, grief, mm-hmm. you know, it comes in many ways. So mm-hmm. absolutely, it's for everyone. As far as relationships, because, you know, in school, you're not really, you're not taught how to navigate relationships. You're not taught why you act certain ways. And, and coming out of that 10-year relationship, that was one of my biggest questions. Like, she told me that I didn't love her anymore. And that hurt. That was like a knife to my heart. I'm like, how do you know I didn't love you? And that question of why am I the way I am? You know, why am I so selfish? Why am I the way I am? So that's really why I went into therapy and I started sort of following certain people on Instagram. And you know, again, you connect all the dots now. It really all stems from your upbringing, your past, and even that, you go back farther. If you really want to dig, you know, ask your parents how they were treated, how they were brought up. And again, you could go back probably generations. Yeah. And, you know, another thing is I guarantee there's not a poem in there where it's going to relate to the relationship you have with yourself. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, how many times have you broken your own heart? How many times have you hurt yourself? How many times? And that's the most important relationship, Ryan. And kudos to you for taking time to look at your part in things, because you're right, that is really hard. And then also, you know, realizing that you needed to come home to yourself first, but then to make it even braver, 
now you're like on a road trip, a forever really long road trip by yourself, like in your own mind, building this relationship with you and finding that happiness within. I mean, that's really brave. Yeah. And, you know, I, I got to put this out. A lot of people ask me too, which you haven't yet. I'm surprised you have. It does it get lonely sometimes. And I tell people, yes, I'm human. It does get lonely out here sometimes, but I'm not going to sacrifice myself to be in some half-assed relationship. You know, it, it just, it's not worth it. I'd rather, you know, be by myself and, and do my things and deal with my shit. And eventually, you know, I do believe I bump into that person where the two of us will create this beautiful sort of thing together. And how important is that self-love piece, just finding that first within and really, truly the unconditional kind, you know, mm -hmm. loving yourself without judgment, loving yourself without doubting every thought that comes through, or if you're enough, you're beautiful enough, or if you're smart enough and all these things, just truly loving yourself for everything, you know, for all that you are, all the good, bad, and the ugly. And then you're able to truly give that to someone else. Yeah, accepting those parts. I think it's something I've been working on actually the past couple of days and stuff that's been kind of coming through my feed too on Instagram is instead of kind of pushing away like the bad things, the so-called bad things, instead of trying to like completely heal those, you just accept them for what they are. Like, you know, I'd love to be in this happy, healthy, loving relationship. And I have no problem saying that. But I think sometimes people are like, love yourself first. And I'm not saying you're doing it, but I think- allowing yourself to be like, yeah, you know what? I do want to be in a relationship with someone. Yeah. I do want to spend time with someone, but focusing mm -hmm. on that self-love together and accepting those parts of yourself that are like, I am who I am. These are the things I want instead of pushing them away and be like, this is bad because society says it's bad. So, and then I got to get out of my own way too. So <laughs> there's yeah. certain parts yeah. of me that's still so dead in my own way. <laughs> oh my God. Whoever came up with that quote that we are our own worst enemy, that's a fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's like we get to this precipice and then we're like, no, I don't want to jump. And then we kind of come back down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, Ryan, it's been awesome talking to you because I will Thank tell you. you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like this uh self-exploration and your book and your journey is kind of new. And that's a very hard place to be and also a very confusing place you're opening up to to a lot of new ideas connecting more with, with nature um you're questioning all these conditions i mean mm -hmm. you're really looking at yourself there's so much that comes with awakening i love that you're putting yourself out there this early and sharing just like your raw pain uh, at the beginning of this journey and where it's brought you today yeah, thank you. And I was used to be closed off. Like you wouldn't be able to get any of this shit out of me. But now <laughs> I've got I've gotten to a point. And I think the pendulum swung over where I was letting out too much stuff for a while. I was like, all right, I'm so closed off. Now I'm just going to be this open book. So now it's been a matter of kind of bringing it back into balance. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm big into balance. So I like that. Good for you. So where are you going next? <laughs> well, I was going to head back to Arizona. I've spent my last winter in Sedona, two years. Like Sedona is just an amazing place, Arizona. But I decided to stay in Montana for the winter. I'm not a cold weather person anymore. I know this sounds weird that I want to stay in Montana, but I think as far as the spiritual aspect of it and, and photography and writing, I think it's going to be a really cool experience to experience Montana in the winter. And we'll reevaluate in the spring and summer where I'm, where I'm heading next. I'm actually at a point here where for two years I was moving around a lot and I've gotten to a point now, not that I'm looking to settle down, but I'm enjoying being in an area more than like a few days. So like being okay. in Montana now for 68 months is awesome. And, mm -hmm. you know, I want to go to Alaska still. There's places I still want to go, but I'm not yeah. as like here and there and everywhere. So having well, some grounding has been real good said for balance. me. Well, maybe I'll tell my friend Angela who's out there to follow you on. Maybe you guys can connect. For sure. Yeah. Instagram, ryan.j.drews. That's kind of my hub. I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram. That could be a probably a whole nother topic. But yeah, that's where a lot of my stuff is. And you can link to my book. You can link to my website. And you can link to some other podcasts that I've done recently. Your name has two of me and Shannon's. Uh, yeah, two very important names to us. My brother's name was Ryan, the one that passed away. And her son's name is Drew. 
<laughs> oh wow so see yeah. there's those little connections so something will probably oh, come out of this somehow some way it may not be for years but something will probably come out of this oh no i i definitely see people connecting with you ryan and also i, I just was curious when you're driving around are you seeing like all these twos and fives on everyone's license plates <laughs> i mean are you getting signs you know with like um, hawks following you and you're like damn this hawk has been with me for an hour it comes I mean, and goes. It comes yeah. and goes. Right now, it's been pretty silent. I think that's just because I'm supposed to be or where I'm supposed to be. It's usually when I'm on the move somewhere. That's when I'll start okay. seeing like a lot of stuff. Or if, even if some person pops into my life, like there's resonance there. And then I'm like, all right, what's your reasoning for being here? You know, in my head, I'm playing the sad. I'm not saying that to this person. And I used yeah. to be that person. I'd be like, you guys are all fucking weird. Like, get away from me with all this <laughs> shit. But now that I'm in it and I actually see it and you're open yeah. to it. It's just a whole different world. <laughs> yeah, it's sometimes undeniable, right? Yeah. The signs just keep coming at you. Well, that's wonderful. I hope that you have a warm winter, though. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down. To like everything that's going on in the world right now, like if I can make one request is for people that are listening to this, whatever side you're on, just be open to listening to people like you can believe what you want but have an open mind because what's going on right now in the world is crazy and there's a bigger picture to all this than just black or white there's stuff going on and i just hope people will wake up to it <laughs> and you can always start your life over you know if you're 20 30 40 50 60 70 you know i, I always tell my mom like my mom's always like, I am who I am. I am who I am. I said, you can be different. <laughs> it may take some time, but you can always start your life over. You know, I hear people say a lot, man, I wish I could do what you do. I know you're living a dream. And I said, you can do it too. You're just choosing not to. So starting over isn't easy. Trust me, but you can do it. You just have to jump into it and keep going and just keep going. Life isn't easy, but that being said, you can make it easy. <laughs> Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.